Welcome to the Keep the Change podcast. You probably heard the saying that the only constant in life is change. But if your experience was anything like mine, then there was always things that you could never get past or change. Well, let me tell you that there is hope. Here on this podcast, we look to the life and the teachings of Jesus and see that he's actually given us ways to find change that we can keep. Well, my name is Mike Lane, and I'm a pastor here in Albany, New York. And throughout each season, I'm joined by various hosts as we talk about how do we find those ways to find change that we can keep. Welcome to season two, Keep the Change. Well, welcome everyone. So glad to have you back with us and so glad to have Mr. Bill McCormick back with us as well. Hey everyone, great to be with you. I've missed you all. Uh, We're excited to continue in, uh, kind of pick back up where we kicked off the season, which is to dive a little bit more into the idea of community and the idea that our faith is inseparable from community. And we want to hit some some, uh, particular aspects of what we see within scripture around the, the idea of, uh, of faith. And so I'm going to kick, I'm going to kick us off, just kind of jump straight into it. And uh, we see in the new Testament, obviously Jesus, he, he builds his whole ministry really around community. He spends three years of his ministry day in and day out living with 12 other guys, mm-hmm. which I have to imagine just on a side note was, had to be kind of a chaotic thing. I think we often think of them just like the picture of the, that classic picture of the last supper is what comes to mind for mm-hmm. me yeah. where they're yeah. all just kind of like airbrushed and like, you know, posed all, you know, eloquently at the table and all lean, you know, you got John leaning on Jesus's chest and it's like, yeah. I, I feel, I feel like someone's throwing a roll or something like that. Yeah, that that's a snapshot of the, the perfect moment. Yeah. Uh, and then it's like, what's the behind the scenes? <laughs> like, I, I just know when you, get just a couple of guys together what it's like I can only imagine with 12 and we know they weren't perfect people so yeah there's that yeah I mean I've been on enough uh, guys camping yeah. trips to yeah. tell you the uh the jokes the pranks the mm-hmm. you know and the I think, smells <laughs> the smells <laughs> you know so it's uh needless to say Jesus threw himself into community he built his 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 whole ministry around that in in I share that to say the realness of that community mm-hmm. it's not always airbrushed it's not always uh, perfect. Everyone yeah. doesn't always get along. Not, yeah. not everybody responds to the pranks mm-hmm. uh, the right way every time, but he chose to do it. I think it was for a particular reason. It wasn't just uh, just because he, you know, wanted to travel with twelve dudes. But I think he was trying to show us that there's there's something in immersing ourselves within community, especially when people have different walks of life. Yeah. Have you watched the Chosen series at all? Um, uh, just a, a first couple of episodes. Uh, I think the Chosen series does a great job at kind of painting the the tensions that we even see mm-hmm. uh, amongst the disciples because you know some of them come from even walks of life that were uh, really against each other. Right. You know, we, right. well, obviously once you threw Matthew into the yeah. into the mix and we see that play out kind of in the series that there's this animosity from some of the other disciples because mm-hmm. he was looked at in such a negative light because of his career choice, his betrayal of his people. But it's like, again, we're, we're seeing political, different different mm-hmm. views politically coming into that play, yeah. different yeah. lifestyles, different, uh, you know, career backgrounds, family dynamics, all mixed together mm-hmm. in one big pot day in and day out. And yeah. I think that's, uh, it's interesting to think and, about that. And I think... You know, we talk about community, and that community went even beyond the 12. You know, there there are groups of people that were following Jesus. 
you know, when you think socioeconomically, we know that Joseph of Arimathea was a follower. He was rich. Mm. And and how what did Jesus say about the rich? Yeah. You know, when we really, the things that were said about Mary Magdalene, and I, I think that that's an interesting point that we have to realize is that Jesus didn't call them because they were perfect. And they didn't become perfect just because they followed him. Mm. Uh, they were transformed, sure. But we even see towards the end of Jesus's ministry on earth, you know, James and John wanted to be first. Peter denied Jesus, you know, so, yeah. so there's this idea that they continue to transform because they're on a journey just like we're on a journey. Mm. And I think the journey happens better when we're in community, for yeah. sure. I mean, I would say that part of the transformation that even happened in them was a result of being in community Absolutely. and Jesus continually... I wouldn't say forcing, but gently and sometimes beyond mm -hmm. gently, yeah, <laughs> reminding yeah. them that we're called that they were called to love each other. They were called, I think, even them sending them out in the pairs. You mm -hmm. know, it's like I'm mm -hmm. sure that someone got paired up with someone that they didn't really get along with. Uh, I'm but sure. they had to move beyond themselves in yeah. that brotherhood, in that fellowship to to do the mission, to move right. forward, to to do what needed to be done in front of them. Yeah, um, sure. And, and sure. Luke actually in uh, in scripture. We see this in Luke that uh, there's this word that never really appeared up until that point, mm -hmm. and it was a word used to describe the fellowship that they were experiencing uh, with the people who were following Jesus. Mm -hmm. That it was uh, a a fellowship that was crossing those socioeconomic lines. It was mm -hmm. it was crossing the different uh, political backgrounds. It was crossing uh, the different. Um, even just like views on how to pursue God because we had zealots that were in there. Right, there was, you right. know, even just different perspectives on how we are supposed to like serve and honor God with our lives. And the fellowship and the love and the camaraderie and the connection that was happening there was so unique and so unprecedented that they, that there's this word called koinonia mm -hmm. that was used to describe that. And it really just means this, this beautiful fellowship. Mm -hmm. And I love this, uh, this little quote here. It says, uh, you know, he needed a word to represent the special awe-inspiring connection that developed as Jesus's followers became more known to one another, learned to give and receive love and encourage one another to grow as they were sharing in their life experiences. And, um, and that koinonia is, is something that as followers of Jesus, if we aren't experiencing, we're called mm -hmm. to experience. Right. If we haven't experienced yet, Jesus wants to invite us into that. So Bill, I'd love to hear from you, maybe just some times where, uh, a particular instance where you've experienced that kind of koinonia, that kind of fellowship community that really kind of goes beyond what anything maybe you had experienced prior. Yeah, one of the one of the greatest experiences that Sue and I had in, in a small group actually goes ten years ago, and it, it's the tenth anniversary for us. And this time of year, we always reflect back on it because it's when we it's how we got to start our business. Sue worked for a, a company in the Albany area. It was just her and her boss, and it was just the two of them. Very successful company in the print and promotional products space. And he died suddenly, just a, a few weeks shy of his 50th birthday. He had cancer, but some things happened that it happened quicker. And he had wanted us to buy the business, like there had been negotiations happening, but he never got to put it in his will. And he didn't have his, his affairs quite in order. And so he passed away, I, it was right around May 4th or 5th. And between then and July, not, no decision was made until July 10th with his family, even though we had made you know, me with my 12th grade education did a business plan and presented it to a doctor and a, and a, and a CPA. 
uh, just, you know, funny things that happen. And um, so we went through that period of, of unknowing, of not knowing, of uncertainty. And through that all, we were part of a, of, a, of a small group in the church we were attending at the time. It was run by Ishmael and Marcia Santana. They were a Brazilian couple. They were probably in their 30s at the time. But they had this small apartment in the village of Catskill up three flights of stairs. I'm talking like big flights of stairs. Yeah. Uh, we had some elderly people that had to take a break on the second landing before they got up there. Um, heck, I had to take a break on the second landing. But there are probably 25 people in this small group of all walks of life, of all socioeconomic conditions. And they surrounded us, not just with prayer and not just with advice, but just with support. And I just remember it was a time that we look back now and go, how did we ever get through that? Well, of course, God was with us and we were seeking God but also we had this quantity, we had this community mm. of people that continued to ask. And to this day, still, they remember what it was like because yeah. they went through other things like later on that we helped them through. And, and so that's one of the experiences that, that helped me just understand more about community. Mm. You know, one of the, in, the, in the notes it talks about Acts 2.42, and we like to talk about that. But what we don't realize is how counterculture that was now and still is today. Yeah. You know, that's really a, 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 a call to us that nothing nothing belongs to us. Yeah. It's, it's for the community. Mm-hmm. And that's really, uh, that's hard for us, especially as Americans, to understand, to wrap mind about, no, what's mine is mine. Yeah. Like, I can help you. I'll give you a little piece, but For what's sure. mine is mine. And that's hard. That's, a, that's, that's something that still challenges me. But that point in time, like, we still remember back to so many mm-hmm. things happened. And, you know, we thought we were going to get the business. But what we said all through, there's no plan B. Whatever happens is God's plan A. And that group of people help us walk through that and accept that. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember being on a phone call with one friend from church and him saying, you have to be ready to walk away if this doesn't go the way that God's saying it's going to go. And are mm. you ready to do that? And I wasn't sure. I was driving to work that morning. <laughs> I go, I'll get back to you on that because yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, so, so that's, that's, that's often hard. So I'm curious for you, Mike, uh, what, what's, what's a time where you experience that community? Yeah, and I think before I, before I j- jump into that story, I mean, what, what even struck me from what you said there is just uh, it was that the others centeredness of the of that yeah. group of people that mm-hmm. they weren't they what they were concerned about was how you were doing, mm-hmm. and I'm sure in the midst of their work schedules and their lives that there was things going on that would have easily been excuses mm-hmm. not to step in and to sure. the level that they did to be there and show up for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And I think whether it be finances, whether it be time, a good kind of litmus test of whether or not we're allowing Jesus to really transform our hearts mm-hmm. is whether or not we are continually looking for those excuses. Now, yeah. there's always yeah. a degree we're always going to do that. Right. right. But I think seeing that lesson over time and uh, there's a quickness to want to mm-hmm. give, to want to show up, to mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. offer support, to check in. That uh, that to me is is where I continue to look and be like, okay, God, how quickly is my response? Okay, what can I do? Right. Versus yeah. how quickly is my response? My response. Okay, let me look and see what I've got going on, and then I'll mm-hmm. I'll make a decision on whether or not I show up or not. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so it makes me think. For for me, what comes to mind is, I mean, there's so many examples over over time, but one I think that's a beautiful example of this kind of others centeredness, non judgmental fellowship that we see within Koinonia represented in scripture is when I when I kind of first 
surrender my life, I, I say back over to God because I grew up in church, mm-hmm. really faithfully going to church, doing my best to learn to worship God, but then spent years in substance abuse. And I remember mm-hmm. coming back uh, to church after God kind of got a hold of my life and the, the community of men uh, and, and women that were a part of my life prior to that uh, season where I kind of fell off the deep end. Mm-hmm welcomed me right back in. There was no questions about, you know, we need you to do this, this, and this Mm -hmm. before you kind of enter back into the church and come back into this fellowship. Uh, I, even small things of like, I just needed new music for, because I had just been listening to utter trash for for Mm -hmm. years. And I remember my friend being like, come over, we're going to sit down and uh, and I'm going to basically take everything in my library and give it over to you. Um, You know, it was just like, and it sounds like a small thing, but when you're trying to really establish yourself Mm -hmm. in a relationship with Jesus, having a community that was one my, my biggest champion mm-hmm. in my journey to sobriety and my journey to following Jesus yeah. but two did not judge me for the decisions that I had made like I didn't once mm-hmm. feel isolated ostracized because of the choices that I had made it was like I had never skipped a beat. it's like I had never left really yeah. and I think that is the beauty of of the Koinonia kind of fellowship because when we have that and we see that there, it is so other centered. We're not focused on ourselves, mm-hmm. how your choices. Mm-hmm. I'm not focused on how your choice affects me, or how your your rejection affects me. My heart is for you, right. and for the embitterment yeah. of you as a person and as a follower yeah. of Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's important, especially without that that judgment of just saying, "How can I help you? What do you need from me?" I, I remember Sue read a book, and I don't remember what the what the title or even the author was, but it's like, "What's the next?" best thing what's the next right thing to do make that next Mm. right choice and how can I help you to do that or just be here to support you in it without judging you Mm. and without saying you have to pass this litmus test or you have to jump over this hoop in order to be part of the in crowd yeah you you know that's not something that that Jesus did yes he called people to change but when you think about it he didn't test them Mm. on that he didn't say to them, okay, have you really changed? All right, Matthew. And here's the thing. Jesus knew everyone's heart. Mm. You know, All right, Matthew, you say you want to be part of this, but are you still greedy? Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, I mean, he let Judas stay right till the very end, mm. and he knew Je- Judas's heart. So I, I think that that's important. I think also, you know, for me, I'm speaking for myself, when I led a small group, kind of looking at some people and going, huh. I wonder how long this is gonna last. You know, yeah. rather than just being there to serve, I talked. You know, when we were before we went on, I was talking about New Amsterdam, which is a show on Netflix, and the main character, his main, his his, what he says to everyone from the janitor up to the to the head surgeon is, "How can I help?" And that we have to really say that and really and really mean it. So I think that's really important. Yeah, it, it really is. It, it reminded me of, and I, I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, there was a statement from one of my professors that when it, this was kind of directed at how we love God, but it's, it was the question of how can I, I love God for the next 10 seconds or how can right. I fix yeah. my attention on God for the next 10 mm-hmm. seconds as we're learning to kind of change our thoughts, change our, you know, our attentions. But yeah. I think we can maybe even switch the wording of that. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, how can I love the person in front of me for the next 10 seconds? It can be sometimes hard to look at someone that we've been walking with for years, or maybe someone mm-hmm. who just came into our lives that comes in with a lot of stuff mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. and be like, I don't know how I'm going to walk with this person right. until they get to the place where they, they need to be, where Jesus wants them to be. Mm-hmm. But what I can wrap my mind around is how can I care for and love this person that's in front of me for the next 10 seconds and then when that 10 seconds is up how can I do that again you know and making it uh you know again making it other centered but making it to where it's like you know what I'm going to 
direct myself towards this in smaller chunks. You know? in, in Mark Batterson's um, devotional on the circle maker, I think it's called Draw the Circle, so 365-day devotional, he talks about the game of minutes. And, mm-hmm. and he cites who developed it, but it's like, can I think of God once a minute? Mm-hmm. Can I just stop and think of God once a minute? And and he said, it, and I believe that the idea around that was, you know, how do you how do you pray continually? Mm-hmm. And it's just being able to stop and give God that thought and, and so we turn this around is how can I love that person for this minute? Yeah. How can I love that person or just think positive for them or pray for them? Because those are the people who really need the community. They need to yeah. get they need to get cemented in. Absolutely. Uh, so I you know, I'd love to kind of finish out this episode with maybe talking about some maybe best practices for creating this type of community, maybe uh, from your own experience, Bill, things that you've seen that have helped to foster the kind of koinonia community that we're talking about. Yeah, I, I think for me it's it's realizing that it doesn't have to happen always in a church context. Like we're in several different communities and like I'm really active in a business community. It's not a community that greet that meets physically. Uh, we do a lot of stuff via Zoom, but I know, you know, I've got a small group, and, and there are these business leaders, and some are Christians, and some are not, and some are teetering on the edge. And what's important is just not coming with an agenda. Uh, my friend Larry, I asked him once, hey, have you raised your hand yet? Because he watches online, church online, every Sunday, and he's not a professed Christian. And I asked him once, and he said no. And I said, you know what, I'm not going to ask him anymore because I don't want it to put pressure to think that he has to do that. Now, does he have to do it? It would be great if he did that. But I think he has, and I think because of some some uh, pressure and some things he sees from other Christians, maybe he's a little afraid to do that, and yeah. you know that unpacks a whole other thing. But here's the thing about Larry, is every time we talk, I'm encouraging him, mm-hmm. and I'm loving him. And I think that's one of the things, is looking and accepting people where they are right now, yeah. and realizing like as a, as a leader... I don't. Ha- it's not my job to change them. That's beyond my job description. Yeah. That's God's job. That's between them and God. My job is to be there yeah. to support and to and to help them. So I think that's a big part of it. Whether you're a life group leader and you have people that are coming to your house on a regular basis, or you're meeting in a coffee shop, or you just have people within your sphere of influence yeah. that that you're building community with, is just accepting them mm. as they are, where they are, knowing that. God accepts them that that way, yeah. so why shouldn't we? Are, and now, does God happy with where they are? No, God's not happy with where I am, you know. And and so we tend to compare, mm. and, and I think that's where we really get into into trouble. Yeah. The only person I should compare myself to is Jesus, and that shows me how far I have to go. Yeah. But I know that God accepts me with with, with how I am. Absolutely, God is is incredibly patient with us in that mm-hmm. work. All to extend that same kind of patience. Yeah. Uh, to others, you, you were mentioning uh, earlier, and this was this maybe is kind of my answer to the question of uh, how there's a seasons in our right. lives where yeah. we find ourselves in different types of community, and maybe that is you know a season of life where you have uh, a group that's made of people who are from your church that are not your family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're meeting with them every Tuesday night, sharing a meal together, diving into the Word, or just watching kids run around and talking about life, like. Mm-hmm. That could be it. There could be seasons where that small group really is, like you said earlier, is, is just your family in the yeah. season. And I think uh, coming out of my son being born a little over 20 months ago and just some of what my wife went through, my my community shifted from a group of guys that I met with every single Tuesday mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to my family. And it has yeah. been that 
predominantly for the last 20 months. And slowly over the last you know six months or so, I've been feeling that call now as we have a sense of normalcy and rhythms mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to then invite some others into that circle. And there has been others, you know, people that I work with and, uh, you know, other family members that are non-believers and things like that, that I have fellowship with. But the key is that uh, whether it is that small group of people from your church, whether it's your family, mm-hmm. whether it's people that you work in business with, that you're intentionally right. cultivating community with, intentionally uh, coming into that space mm-hmm. with a goal to point them towards Jesus and to support them and love them. The, uh, the key is that we are we're doing that consistently, yeah. that it's not something that just happens once every six months. It's yeah. not something that just happens once every four, four or five weeks that mm-hmm. we are intentionally finding ourselves in some type of community where we yeah. are we are focusing our, our, our attention and our love towards the people who are in that community. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, seasons change. And what's the name of the podcast? Keep the change. Yeah. We have to watch for those, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, they, there's a lot of talk about life, life work balance and for Christians there's life work and spiritual balance there's that's a that's a myth it's a misnomer there is no balance it's you're going through seasons in life and I, I, I liken it to to Sue and I got kayaks for Christmas so we started kayaking and if you only paddle on one side of the kayak you go in a circle right so if you're heavy in one area of your life you're just going to go in, in in one direction but to have balance you have to do do both sides and but if you only go in a straight line then how are you going to get to the left or get to the right? You have to pay attention to where you're going, the season in life you are, yeah. and pay attention to that part of your life for now. And uh, in, in that example I talked about, you know, right now the small group really is our family or because uh, our 48-year-old son-in-law died back in March. It was sudden. Um, we knew things were going on, but and so now where we really focus down is, mm. is, is our family. That's going to, eventually that's going to change. And you know, what I have to do is be cognizant of that and look for that and say, okay, now I can shift. Just like you said, with, with your situation, we have to be open to those times of change and watch for them and then make that adjustment. Absolutely. And I think to, to kind of land the plane, it's recognizing that without the power of Jesus and the, and the spirit yeah. working within us, we will, we will never intentionally put ourselves in that Absolutely. kind of community true uh, he is the one that enables us changes our hearts to move away from our own selfishness mm-hmm. our own uh, self-protection self-preservation mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. then direct ourselves towards those around us whether that be family whether that be co-workers whether that be people that we fellowship with in church and so Jesus is the empowerment that we Amen. need and so we find ourselves again and again avoiding that type of community Um, not staying consistent in that type of community, Mm -hmm. then we just simply need to come to Jesus, ask him to help us to see people the way that we need to see them and to see our need for those people because we cannot become the kind of people that God wants for us to be if it's not for that type of community around us helping us to become that kind of person yeah and and that could be a whole nother episode yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely so thank you so much for uh for joining us today uh we're so great to have you back bill and uh as always remember keep the change keep the change